Well, my name is Parker Johnson, and I'm the pastor here at First Presbyterian Church in Bruton, Alabama. You can find out more about our church at fpcbruton.org. Uh, before we begin, I've got a funny story I'd love to share with you. So we're beginning to plan what in-person worship is going to look like here at the church. Our tentative start date is June the 21st. We've been having meetings and looking at resources, and we've been stocking up on the supplies that we feel like we need. You know, of course, one of the supplies you have to have is plenty of hand sanitizer. Now, we've, we've got a good bit on hand, uh, but we're always looking for a little more just in case we need it for long term, and it's pretty hard to get a hold of. So we finally found a source of hand sanitizer. And so we called the folks up and we said, hey, could, tell us about how much hand sanitizer you have. Well, they had a whole bunch. I mean, they could have it to us real quickly. And it was pretty reasonably priced for a decent-sized bottle. It's like $7. And, you know, that stuff's like liquid gold now. So we, we got it today. And, y'all, I looked over and there's this box. And it's just a great box because I know what's inside of it. Don't you love opening boxes? And so I got the scissors out and ran it across the tape and opened it up. And y'all, it was gorgeous. There is this box of 12 bottles of hand sanitizer. When is the last time that you saw 12 bottles of hand sanitizer all in one place? I mean, it had to have been February or March, right? So I'm so excited about this stuff. I get it out, and we've got to try it out, right? It's the the new and greatest thing. So I pull out a bottle, and uh, and I knew we were in trouble. Do you know what was on the label? A palm tree. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not really looking for palm trees on my hand sanitizer bottles. So I looked at the label a little more closely, and it, it... said that its scent was, you ready for this? Island Breeze. I thought, oh no. Now, I don't really like scented hand sanitizer, but but I'm okay. You know, I'll survive. If we have hand sanitizer in this season and it smells, you know, not great, then that's okay. Fragrance is not terrible. It's not the end of the world. But I thought perhaps we ought to try this stuff out before we put it out. So Gloria, who's our fantastic secretary, she and I got a little bit and rubbed it in our hands and we smelled it. And y'all, the only way I can describe it is that it smelled like if you had taken a large spoon of really cheap peanut butter and put it in a blender of just the worst smelling cheap pina colada that you could ever think of and blended it together and then put it in a bottle and labeled it hand sanitizer. I mean, it smelled awful. So I, we're talking about it. So I, I go and get some uh, other hand sanitizer and I rub it on my hands two or three times and and I'm, I go downstairs and I wash my hands and an hour later I'm working at my desk and I can still smell this terrible, awful hand sanitizer. So it turns out that it didn't even have the amount of alcohol needed in it to be effective against the coronavirus. So we had a pretty good excuse to return it. Uh, Wouldn't it be good if that's all we had to deal with was bad hand sanitizer? Well, uh, I hope hope you enjoyed that story. But now let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, uh, I thank you for fun. I thank you for what I hope was a funny story. Lord, I pray that you would give us joy in this season. Help us, Lord, as we look to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. 
Well, today I'm going to take a break from our series on the um, fruit of the Spirit. Uh, I've been doing my own personal study out of Hebrews, and I wanted to share something with you that has been rattling around in my head and, and has been a way that I've been praying, uh, perhaps for many of you. Um, I don't know who's listening, but but also certainly for myself and those who are on my daily prayer list. I've been praying for joy-filled endurance. Now, we've talked about joy in this series, the midweek devotionals, but I just keep coming back to it. Like I, I want joy. I desire joy in the midst of, of this hard time. And, and I think connecting it with this word endurance really sums up what this season looks like. Right. I mean, not just with the coronavirus, but also the economic issues and the particular uh, political climate that we are in. And as we have dealt with the unrest in our in our country and the aftermath of the um, uh, of the unjust killing of George Floyd, um, it's a hard season. It's a hard season to know how to respond and how to process these things. And so, my prayer for myself and for others is for joy-filled endurance. We are called to endure. We are called to persevere. This is what our Savior did. He persevered. And, and I've heard it said by many that the chief mark of a Christian is perseverance, that we continue to persevere. That is one of God's graces in our life, that we persevere into the end. You know, we, we're told in Philippians 1.6 that he will complete the good work that he began in us at the, at the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So my prayer for you, for me, is joy-filled endurance. My text, very briefly, is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Hear now the word of God. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Well, if you know the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer, we don't know who it was actually, uh, the writer to the letter, uh, the writer of the letter of Hebrews has just gone through what's called the Hall of Faith. Hebrews 11 is going through the Old Testament examples, these great examples of how uh, people in the Old Testament were saved just like we are, by faith, and, and lived by faith. And he begins by talking in, in chapter 12, verse 1, about this great cloud of witnesses. Um, lots of people who have had rough lives but endured now are speaking to us through the Word of God, though they are dead, they continue to speak to us through His Word, calling us and encouraging us uh, to endure like they did. And y'all, they had some pretty rough times. Listen to Hebrews 11, uh, 32 through 38. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, attained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. 
Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, others refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. I don't know about your life, but when I compare my life to the lives of those who are thus described, what I'm called to endure through seems rather, well, it seems a lot lighter, doesn't it? Now, that that doesn't mean that we're to make light of what we're going through. For There are always those who are struggling with harder things. Always. There will always be others who have worse situations than we do. But that doesn't mean that we're not going through hard times. Is there something in your life that you're going through that you need help with? That you really are struggling through? My prayer for you and for me is that we would have joy-filled endurance. That we would endure, but that we wouldn't just survive, right? There's a difference between endurance and survival. One can be unconscious and be a survivor. But I don't think that's what God calls us to. He calls us to endure, to persevere through this season. And do you know what the secret is? You can get a piece of paper if you want and write it down. It's not hard. The secret to joy-filled endurance as we run this race is looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus as we run our race. The writer here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's just painting a wonderful picture. The picture here is um, especially indebted to an author named Hendrickson for pointing this out. The picture here is of an arena, an amphitheater, a sports complex, in which there's a great host of people, a great crowd. That's what he means by cloud of witnesses, a great crowd uh, there to watch those who are racing. We are called to run the race as we imagine ourselves as runners, as athletes, seeking to finish the race that God has put before us. And what is the race that we face? Well, the race is the Christian life. Right? God promises perseverance to us, and now we are called to persevere, to endure, as we run the Christian life that is set before us. You know, it's important to note that though we don't know what's ahead of us, Though we don't know what the race is going to include, our God does. And the one who sets the race before us is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're called to run the race with endurance. You know, I hate running. Um, yeah, I don't have any other word for it. I'm not talking about like, like running. I like to run on the racquetball court or something like that. But, but the idea of intentionally running very far just sounds awful. Now, our youth director, uh, JML, uh, John Michael Lane, he loves to run. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. You know, the, the key to finishing a race, the key to, to continuing to run is, well, it's not hard. It's to continue to run. It's to endure. There are times in our lives when it feels like we cannot continue to go on. The reality is we can. Not in our own strength, right? We, We don't endure in this race in our own strength. 
As we think of who we are ourselves and the strength that we bring to the table, y'all, we're paraplegic spiritually. We have no strength in and of ourselves. We're told in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 that, uh, you know, Christ's strength is made perfect in our weakness. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. So when we, when we think about running the race, how do we run the race? Well, we first must admit that we're weak. And as we are admitting that we are weak, we are told how to run. How to run. We're told to run in... Uh, in Christ's strength. We're, we're told here to, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We see this in verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. I'm going to return to this in just a second, but keep that in mind. You know, at, When you run, you don't look at your feet. That's the best way to fall. When you run, you're not analyzing every stone and every uh, particle of grass underneath your feet. That, that's the best way to, to lose. You don't turn around and look at what's behind you. You keep on going. Um, And so this is the call for us, that we keep our eyes on Jesus. He is both the prize and the one who enables us to continue to race. Uh, This is similar language to what we find over in Philippians. Uh, Paul says, uh, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians uh, 3, verse uh, 13 and 14. We keep our eyes on Jesus. You know, but as we do that, there are things we need to do to prepare. When you run, uh, so I hear because I don't like doing it. When you run, you wear special clothes, right? Now, back in Greek days, they didn't wear any clothes. They weren't uh, hindered by anything, right? You were just naked, barefoot. That's how you did it. Uh, Praise God for progress. Um, But you put on special clothes. You have special shoes. But one thing you don't do is you don't put on a whole bunch of lead weights. Wouldn't that be silly? You're going to try to run the fastest you ever can. And so in order to do that, you put on a backpack filled with rocks. Well, if course you don't do that. Well, that's in our text. We read in verse uh, 1 of chapter 12 of Hebrews, let us also lay aside every weight, every weight. He's going to talk about sin in a second, but you know, there are things in our lives that may not be sin. They may actually be good things in and of themselves or, or amoral things that we allow to distract us from the race that we have been called to run. Are there things in your life, even good things, that are taking your eyes off of Jesus? Are there things that are crowding your priorities? You know, are there things that by themselves are good, but you've allowed to become ultimate things or idols, things that it's kind of like a pit stop along the road of your race? I'm just going to sit down for a minute and do this other thing. We're called to make sure that we are laying those aside and keeping our eyes squarely fixed on Jesus, not focusing on the hurdles, not focusing on the obstacles ahead of us, but looking out on the horizon. We are called to lay aside every sin. We are called to lay aside every sin. You know, there are a great many sins that might impede our walk. And for you, they're going to be different perhaps from me. Everybody's going to have different kinds of struggles. But, but you didn't know that 
that everyone's going to struggle with something, and there's no sin that other people don't struggle with. So, so be encouraged by that. That's not an excuse. But what are those sins in your life that, that are clogging you down, that are gumming up the works, that are clinging way too closely to you? One thing that I find that constantly inhibits my running of the race, if I can just be honest, is fear and anxiety. Those are real struggles for me. Um, you know, I'll go through seasons where I do pretty well, and then I'll have seasons where it's just a real struggle. Um, and, you know, those things, that, that, that sinful fear and that sinful anxiety, where I'm not trusting the Lord like I ought to, and instead focusing on, on my own actions and what I can do and my own resources, that hinders my race, that hinders my walk with the Lord. It hinders my walk with him personally, and when my walk with the Lord is hindered personally, then that hurts me as I seek to glorify God, to love others. Because if I'm so focused on myself, I, I won't be able to love others like I should. I won't be as able to help meet their needs. Uh, that love of neighbor part becomes more difficult. So as we are taking off those things, the weights and sins which are clogging up our, uh, our, our call to, to run with endurance and joy-filled endurance. We, we do so as we keep our eyes upon Jesus. We read this in verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This word endurance is one that I've picked up from this text. It's not just one I made up. In verses 1 through 3 of chapter 12 of Hebrews, we have the word endurance pop up three times. Let us run with endurance, uh, the race that is set before us. Then about Jesus that was set before him, endured the cross. And then verse 3, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. But it's interesting that of these three occurrences, two of them are referring to Jesus. We endure as we look to the one who is endured for us and in our place. He has won the race already. He has defeated death. He has forgiven us of our sins. He has broken the bonds of the sins which we allow to cling to us. He has broken those bonds already. How do we endure? We look to our Savior, to our brother, to our God, who in the flesh endured so much. Think about all that he endured, a life of humiliation and rejection, even of his family. He endured the unjust trial and, well, actually several trials. He endured the mocking and when he was struck and when he was stripped and nailed and when he was spat upon and insulted, when he was forsaken and publicly shamed upon the cross. That's what it means here, he despised the shame. It's a terrible thing. You know, the, the cross was the most shameful and most painful and worst way of dying that the Romans, who were really good at killing people, could come up with. There you were, naked on the cross. It took forever to die. You would, you would often suffocate or, or, or even drown in your own fluid in your lungs. You would, as you got too weak, you couldn't keep pulling yourself up. And every time you pulled yourself up, remember, those were you were putting tension on the nails through your wrists and through your feet. It was an awful thing. And then if you didn't die fast enough, they'd come alongside and, and break your legs. 
it was intentionally meant to bring great shame, not only upon the person, but also potentially their family. Roman citizens actually could not be crucified. It was reserved for slaves, for rebels, and apparently for the author of life. But he was willing to endure that, to go through that shame. Here is the the creator of all things. He endured that because of the joy that was set before him. The joy that would come on the far side of of the tomb on Easter Sunday when the tomb was empty. And now he is enthroned at the right hand of God where he rules and reigns on behalf of his church for his people. As we look forward to the day when Christ returns, makes all things new, and our race is not only done in this life, but also for all of eternity. He is the perfecter and founder of our faith. Um, Rick Phillips in his commentary explains this probably means that Christ is the forerunner or the pioneer of our faith. He is the one who faithfully endured, making a way for salvation for us. You know, as we run our race, we do so only going where our Savior has gone, our high priest who has gone in our place. He has already defeated all of the enemies that could keep us from running our race. You know, as we take our our race outside the arena and, and perhaps as we run through enemy territory, perhaps as a courier, you know, courier in a, in a battle, he has great reason to endure because if he doesn't endure, he dies. But as we think of that, think about the fact that, that Christ has already defeated all of the enemies as we run through what is now conquered territory as we run to our king. Well, our text ends in verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. My friends, it's very easy in this season to indeed grow weary or faint-hearted, right? It's, uh, it's very easy. We're told over in Galatians 6 verse 9, uh, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. There's that endurance piece, if we do not give up. How can we have joy-filled endurance? Wouldn't that be nice if your day was filled with joy-filled endurance? Well, one, if you're a believer, you will endure. Know that. That's a promise. Though you may falter and fail, you will endure. But not only that, it, you know, it's a promise to us, but it is also a call to us. We are called to not fall away, not turn away. We are secure in his hands, and at the same time, we are called to run, to be active in our daily lives. How, how do we keep our eyes on Jesus? How do we look to him? Well, we look to him with the eyes of our heart. So we look with heart that has been remade by the Holy Spirit, renewed, regenerated. We look to Jesus in his word. You know, if, if you want joy-filled endurance, and I, I encourage you, I beg you, please turn to the Lord. Spend time in his word. Carve out time. It's amazing to see that the more time we spend in God's Word, especially on crazy days, how much He really does help us. Run to Him in prayer. Run to Him. And He will help you. Because here's the thing. He has endured. And now He has you. You are secure. May you know that joy-filled endurance. Let's pray. Lord, my prayer for the listener and for myself is joy-filled endurance. 
Help us to run our race, Lord, looking to Jesus. We pray these things in his precious and holy name. Amen.